Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. A reminder, you can check out our store, store.greatdetectives.net to pick up books, audiobooks, and ebooks. But now it's time for today's episode of The Private Files of Rex Saunders. The original air date is July the 18th of 1951, and the title is Unto Death Do Us Part. The Files of Rex Saunders. Concerning marriage. Some marriages are made in heaven, while others are unmade by a forced application of the vow unto death do us part. And now, the private files of Rex Sunder. RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, and first in television, brings you the celebrated star of stage and screen, Rex Harrison, in another exciting story taken from the private files of Rex Saunders, radio's newest man of mystery. We hope you enjoy these weekly stories of intrigue and adventure, and for another adventure in home entertainment, we suggest you try RCA Victor's fine line of radio and television products, now on display at your RCA Victor dealer. Now for our story. police records, the Farrow case was listed as unsolved. At the time of the investigation, I'd been called in, but like the police, I found the facts leading me up a blind alley. The circumstances surrounding the Farrow case were of a common variety. Steve Farrow owned and operated the Alcazar, a plush gambling casino across the river, and Steve Farrow had a set philosophy on gambling and life. I only give and take a hand from the top of the deck. And if anybody deals to me otherwise, there's going to be trouble. Trouble in spades. Steve Farrow had a philosophy, and he had a wife, Rita. She was slim, blonde, and attractive. And it was known amongst those who know that Rita didn't play the marriage game according to Hoyle. Early one morning, two years ago, Rita Farrow got out of her car, started up the stairs to her house, and then... Three bullets ended Mrs. Farrow's life. Steve had an unshakable alibi. He was out of town on business. The gun that fired the shots was never found, and in the police records, the notation was made, Rita Farrow murdered by person or persons unknown. The case was officially closed, 
But unofficially, the police department, as well as Alec and I, maintained a deep concern in the affairs of Steve Farrow. We noted with interest his recent marriage to a young lady named Kitty, another slim, attractive blonde. And Kitty resembled the first Mrs. Farrow in more ways than one. Ah, sure you won't join me, Les? No drinking on duty. Boss is strict about that, Mrs. Farrow. I told you it was still Kitty to you, Les. So you said, Mrs. Farrow. It used to be Kitty before. That's finished. You're his now. You're Steve. Stop it. Steve, Steve. That's all I hear from you. Steve this, Steve that. He's been good to me and he's done all right by you. Let's listen to me. I made a mistake, a terrible mistake. I'm afraid I'm scared to death. Of what? Steve. What? What happened to his first wife? She got what was coming to her. Then he did kill her. I didn't say that. I found letters... What are you talking about? What letters? They were in his desk in the other room. Every once in a while, he takes those letters out and reads them. I've watched him do it. I forced the lock on that desk tonight. Those letters were written to her from someone named Al. He found them. That's why he killed her. I married a murderer. Oh, you're letting your imagination run away with you. You've got to help me. Now get your hands off me. Unless, if I ever meant anything to Kitty, you. Unless I need you so. You better finish it. But you... Oh, Steve. Hello, Kitty. Les? Steve? Did you keep Mrs. Farrow entertained like I told you to, Les? I guess I'm not much on entertaining. You don't look bored. Good night at the Alcazar, Les. 75,000. 75,000? That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, Les, you can run along. Okay, Steve, huh? Good night. Night. Well, Kitty, aren't you going to kiss me? Sure. Sure, Steve. Kitty. Yes? Where are they? They? What are you... Shut up, the act. Where are they? Steve, my wrist... I'll break it. Oh, please. The letters? What did you do with them? I don't know what you're doing. Get get those letters out of my desk. Now, you took them. Steve, I... Didn't you? Yes. Here's only stopped. Oh. I told you to stay out of that desk, didn't I, Kitty? Yes. What were you doing with those letters? Why did you take them? I... I, I was curious. You give me those letters back right now. Just remember one thing. Curiosity killed more than one cat. Mr. Saunders, you've got to help me. My husband is planning to kill me the same way he killed his first wife. Mrs. Farrow, when did the incident with the letter occur? Well, last Tuesday, when he came home from the Alcazar... Steve hasn't said a word about it to me since, but I know what he's thinking. Last Tuesday? It's almost a week. Why did you wait until tonight to come here to see me? Steve hasn't let me out of his sight. He didn't go to the Alcazar all week. I was afraid to phone. He was called out of town on business this afternoon, so I came right over. Out of town on business? You remember, Rex, it was the same way the night the first Mrs. Farrow was murdered. Mm-hmm. That was Farrow's alibi. According to what I heard... You were interested in getting Rita Farrow's murderer. I still am. Well, my husband is the man you want. Your husband was cleared after a thorough investigation. The murder gun was never uncovered. The case is officially closed. But what about me? Something isn't done, I'll be next. Can't the police open the case again? Only with sufficient evidence. What about those letters? Maybe there's something in them that will give you what you're looking for. I'd have to see those letters. 
Where are they now? They're probably in the house someplace. Steve said he won't be back until tomorrow afternoon. There's a safe in the living room. If we can... The window! Is that a lookout? No sign of anyone on the lawn, Rex. How is she? Mrs. Farrah's all right. She only fainted. The bullet's missed? Yes. She's in the other room resting. Well, now you can see, it wasn't mere conjecture. She is marked for murder. Well, it seems. Now, perhaps, we have the necessary evidence to have the Farrell case reopened. Not quite. First, we have to find the one who fired the gun through that window. So where will we start to look? We'll begin right here in this room. Huh? With this wall panel. Get me a knife. A knife? What are you going to do? One of the slugs from that gun is embedded in this panel. We look to police ballistics for further direction. Get it started. Right. Which direction? Home. Did you get the report from ballistics? I did. Well? The bullet was fired by a forty-five Colt automatic. Well, that should be of some help. Why are we going home? There's nothing else we can do right now. The ballistics report showed that the bullet aimed at Mrs. Farrow was fired by a missing gun. What? The same missing gun, Alec, that killed the first Mrs. Farrow. your place for recorded music. RCA Victor's wonderful new Victrola 45 table phonograph is so neat, so compact, you can take it from room to room. The Victrola 45 table phonograph is so convenient, you can play it in the living room, move it into the bedroom, or out on the sun porch on a cool summer evening. It's versatile, and best of all, it's economical. You can buy it for a song. For wonderful music brought to you by RCA Victor's amazing distortion-free 45 system. Just load up to 14 of those handy, non-breakable 7-inch records on the big center spindle, flick a switch, and you can listen to over an hour of the music you want when you want it. Yes, the Victrola 45 table photograph is everything you've ever wanted in recorded music. It's a remarkable way to play records, practical and economical, too. RCA Victor's exciting new Victrola 45 table phonograph. to talk about? A gun. You interested? Depends upon the gun. Is it forty-five cold? I'm interested. It's for sale. How much? A special to you, a C-note. Cheap? Where do I make the purchase? Pier 47, full of 3rd Street. I'll be open for business in a half hour. 11.15. Pier 47, 11.15. How'll I know you? You won't. I don't know you. 
And you come alone. Otherwise, I don't ring up a sale. Alone. I'll be there. Now, remember, Alec, stay down low in the seat. Uh-huh. I'm anxious to make this transaction. I don't want to frighten him off. Don't turn around, mister. I wouldn't think of it. Especially with that pressure I feel in the small of my back. That's smart. You're looking for someone? Yes, it so happens I am. A man with an item for sale. You got the fare? You don't waste time. I deal in quick turnovers. The C-note. I usually do business face-to-face. I don't in my line. And the hundred back. As you say. Here. Okay. I believe I'm to receive something in exchange for that hundred dollar bill. Yeah, that's right you are. And I got it for you, right? It... never should have let you come over here alone. What happened? Uh, to put it briefly, I I didn't get a good buy for my money. As a matter of fact, I didn't get anything but a headache for my $100 bill. Then what about this automatic? What automatic? Where did you get that pistol? It was lying beside you on the pavement right here. Inspector? It's the gun, all right, Saunders. This is the one that killed Rita Farrell. That must be the call from the firearms registry. Yeah? That's all. Hmm. Okay, Farmer, thanks. Firearms registry? Uh-huh. Gun was licensed to a Dave Cole. Dave Cole. Address? The Trumbull Hotel on Elm Street. And here's an interesting fact that the registry has on Cole... He's employed at Steve Farrow's Alcazar. The desk clerk said Cole went to his room about two hours ago. All right, Alec, let's go. What floor? Ninth. Oh, press the button. 297. My guess is that Farrow had Cole murder his first wife. That seems to be a good guess. And Cole was to do the same job on Kitty Farrow tonight. Mm, that's the way it looks. There's one thing I don't understand. What's that? Where does the man who sold you the gun fit in? Why did he want to sell it to you anyway? Well, for the hundred he received, I imagine. But why did he knock you out? Oh, evidently to make sure that his identity wasn't traced. Mr. Cole could make life quite unbearable for our stool pigeon friend. When we bring Mr. Cole down to headquarters, he's going to have enough trouble to make his own life bearable. Room 97. Here it is, Alec. Yes. The uh, clerk said you didn't see Cole go out again? That's right. He said Cole always leaves his key at the desk downstairs. So come to think of something. What? That clerk. He acted rather strangely. Maybe he phoned Cole that we were on our way up here, and then Cole left hurriedly by those rear stairs. Maybe you're right. 
door was locked. That's what I meant by maybe you're right. Maybe Cole did leave hurriedly. It's empty. Cole made a getaway, as I figured. You check that closet, Alec. I'll see what's in the bathroom. What should I look for? Offhand, I'd say Mr. Cole. Judging by these bloodstains on the floor. What? Bloodstains? Where? Right here in the dressing room. Oh, never mind the closet, Alec. I found him. Call Inspector Roberts at Homicide. Tell him he found Cole, drowned in his bathtub. Then those bloodstains on the floor weren't Cole's. No. Evidently in his struggle to get free, Cole scratched his assailant. Particles of hair and flesh were found on a Cole's fingernails. Except for that, it might have passed as the killer wanted it to. A suicide. But who could have done it? I don't know. But we've another important factor, the time of death. The coroner places it at about midnight. Then Cole was still alive when you met the informer at the waterfront. Hmm. We don't have a likely suspect. Hello? Saunders, Inspector Roberts, sir. I have that information from Carter City for you. Yes, Inspector? He checked out of his hotel about 10.30. I see. Oh, thanks very much. I'll keep you posted. Right. Alec, it looks as like if we might have a likely suspect after all. Who? Steve Farrow. Farrow? But he's in Carter City. He couldn't... Farrow checked out of his Carter City hotel at about 10.30 tonight. What? He could easily drive back here to town in an hour. And Cole was murdered around 12. Farrow had plenty of time. Yes, but we haven't, Alec. And neither has Mrs. Farrow with her husband back in town. Mrs. Farrow still doesn't answer. You keep trying that number, Alec. If you get her, tell her to stay at home. Tell her I'm on my way over. Lance, what's the hurry? Thought we were just going for a drive. I like to go fast, Kitty. Kitty? That's better than Mrs. Farrow. That's more like old times. We're still friends, Lance? Still friends. Lance? Yeah? I never want to go back there. Please don't take me back, ever. You're still Mrs. Farrow, no matter how many times I call you Kitty. I want to tell you something. I wasn't going to tell you, but I've got to. What are you driving at? He tried to kill me tonight. I told you it was going to happen. Uh, Steve! He wants me dead. You're crazy. Believe me. You don't know what you're talking about. I do, I do. That's why you mustn't take me back to that house. You're sick, Kitty. You're imagining things. Unless you've got to believe me. That's why I came out to this drive when you asked me. I had to tell you about it. Well, you've got to help me get away. I told you before, I don't want to hear talk like that. Steve Farrell's my friend. All right. You can turn around and take me back to town. We're not going back to town. That is, you're not. What? What do you mean? I'm taking you to Steve's lodge up at Crystal Lake. What? Steve's waiting there for you. Steve's wait. No, Steve's in Carter City. He finished his business in Carter City. He called me an hour ago. Said to bring you up to the lodge. The hunting season is on. He wants you with him. Les, you mustn't do it. Steve said it's to be a surprise. Now, you're not supposed to know he's up there, so act surprised when you walk in. Please, don't take me there. I'll never come back alive. Any calls, Alec? Nothing. 
No luck, eh? Not a sign of Mrs. Farrow. I tried everywhere. Now what do we do? Nothing we can do but wait. Just sit and wait. What's the matter, Kitty? Uh, You've just been sitting there all morning, not a word out of you. Is there anything to say, Steve? Sure. You can say I'm doing a good job cleaning this rifle. Ah, it's finished. Clean as a whistle. Well, the rain's letting up. It should clear off soon. Then we'll go out hunting. Kitty. Yes? I was thinking about you and me, about our being up here at the lodge alone. I was thinking if either of us wanted to get rid of each other, it could be a cinch. We'll be out there in the woods this afternoon. Not a soul within miles. Boom. Shot is fired. One of us drops dead. An accident. A hunting accident. Go prove anything. Hello? Mr. Sanders, this is Mrs. Farrell. Where are you? I've been trying... Listen, there isn't much time. I'm up at Steve's lodge at Crystal Lake. Steve's here. What? As soon as the rain stops, he's going to take me into the woods. He's going to kill me. He's going to look like a hunting accident. Mrs. Farrell. Mrs. Farrow. Mrs. Farrow. Mrs. Farrow. This way, Alec. They turned down this path. The rain was certainly on our side. It held Farrow off and made it possible for us... Rex. What is it? At the bottom of the hill in that clearing. Mrs. Farrow. Look, there's a man coming out of the woods behind her. He's running after her. Back to the climax of our story in a moment. It's amazing to think a portable radio can be no larger than an average-sized book, just six inches and weigh only three and a half pounds. Yes, the personal made by RCA Victor is a portable radio so small and so compact you can tuck it under your arm and take it with you anywhere. And it's beautiful. RCA Victor's personal sets a new standard in style and fashion. It's perfect as a gift particularly this summer when so much time is spent out of doors, on weekends at the beach or in the mountains. Women will be captivated by the personal stunning appearance. Men will be astonished by its brilliant performance. Both will realize that the RCA Victor Personal is the outstanding portable radio of them all. Truly a gift that keeps on giving. Yes, it's a wonderful, practical buy. Buy RCA Victor's handy, lightweight, little portable... The personal. Mrs. Farrow. Uh, Mr. Saunders? I uh, have somebody with me. Kitty. You. Mr. Saunders, he's come to kill me. He's going to try again. Kitty, uh... You've got to save me. He's going to kill me. Please, please, save me. He'll kill me. You've got to stop him. Please. You'd better wait outside, Sarah. Oh, 
Mrs. Farrow. He's gone now. You must let him come back again. Promise me you won't let him. That shooting wasn't an accident. It wasn't an accident. It evidently wasn't, but your husband can't be held responsible. But he did it. Mrs. Farrow, the bullet the doctor extracted from your shoulder was a forty-five caliber. At the scene of the shooting, I found your husband with a thirty-two caliber rifle, unfired. What's up, Steve? Kitty's dead. What? She's dead. You said on the phone it was only a shoulder wound. That's what they said, Les, but something happened. Some kind of poisoning set in. They found the gun in the woods. They grabbed me for the rap. I got away from them. I came here. Now, you've got to help me get out of town, Les. You're my friend. Whose gun did they find, Steve? It was mine, but I didn't do it. They won't believe me. I haven't got a chance. No. We'll wait till dark. Then you can help me get out of You're town. You're not going anyplace, what? Steve. Les. Don't move or this gun goes off. It goes off right in your face. But you're... You're my friend. My... My best friend. You mean your best stooge. Well, now I'm through taking the orders. I ran my last errand for you. Now I'm giving the orders. What are you going to do? Shut up. Operator, get me the police. Homicide division. Les, look. I'll give you anything. Anything you ask. You'll give me. The Alcazar. Everything. Sure, everything. Everything's mine. Now I take over. Hello. I hear you're looking for Steve Farrell. Yeah, well, I got him for you. My apartment. Their name is Les Maddock. 65 Crown Street. You can come and pick him up. No, nah, don't worry. He won't get away. I'm a good shot. Right. So it was you. Uh-huh. You shot Kitty. You planted my gun up in the woods. That's right. And you can count the first Mrs. Farrow in it, too. It didn't work with her, but now it came off. And you expect to get away with it? Sure. What about my trial? They let you talk at a trial. You're not getting that far. You're not getting any farther than this room. When the cops come, Pharaoh, they're going to find you on the floor with a back full of holes. You tried to make a break. I had to stop you. That's the way it's going to be. Drop that gun, Maddox. What? I said drop it. Oh, my arm. Sorry to break up this confab, Maddox, but as long as you weren't going to wait for the arrival of the police, I thought it somewhat necessary to intercede. You can go now, Steve. I have all the information I need. Oh, and by the way, Steve. Yes, your wife's waiting for you downstairs. What? Kitty. Kitty's alive? Very much so. But I had an idea her temporary demise would inspire you to talk and act in the desired fashion. A trick. It was all a lousy trick. And to paraphrase your words, Maddock, it worked. It worked real good. <laughs> This is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site where we put out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old-Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. Well, I uh, was... As I was listening to this, I was thinking, finally, we have a case where Rex's involvement doesn't begin with a beautiful woman coming to him for help. And then we have uh, a beautiful woman coming to him for help. 
I think this episode does a really good job of setting our expectations and then pulling the out, uh, pulling the rug out from us with a uh, solution that we really didn't see coming in the mo in most cases. I certainly didn't. It's certainly an interesting conclusion for uh, the wife in this case. Essentially, what Rex Saunders tells her is, "Your husband is not a creepy murderer. He just kind of acts like one." Particularly that conversation at the cabin about how I was just thinking that we have the opportunity to get rid of each other in the spot out in the middle of nowhere and we could all fake it as an accident. Yeah, no wonder she ran to call uh, Rex Saunders. Of course, maybe that's just his sense of humor. Uh, my wife thinks I have a odd sense of humor, but thankfully I don't go there. Uh, at any rate, we do turn now to listener comments and feedback. And Jody just noticed what I did. So far, every episode involves a beautiful woman. Well, we'll see if they break up the streak in the final two episodes, Jody. Thanks so much for your comment. That'll do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for uh, Richard Diamond as our Christmas episodes resume. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.